Take your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter number 17 this evening. 2 Kings chapter 17. 2 Kings chapter 17, we're going to continue our study uh, in the kings of Israel and Judah. It's been about four weeks since we've been in one of these studies for various reasons and guest speakers that have been here and uh, being out of town for uh, myself being out of town on some of those evenings. And so uh, the last time we were here, we looked at a uh, the thought of from first to worst. And we were considering the northern kingdom of Israel uh, and how uh, we saw in their a time of their, uh, of their kingdom where they, where they were at their pinnacle. And in about 30 years, uh, or excuse me, about 50 years, and six kings, they went from their, their highest point down to about their lowest point. It's a great reminder that it doesn't take long to go from first to worst. Uh, it doesn't take long for someone to be on top of the heap and to be at the bottom of the heap then. And uh, whether that's a nation or an individual or whatever the case may be. And, and so that's where we were at last. And, and uh, we're going to look now at the 19th king and the last king of the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, this kingdom will end uh, in our text this evening. Now the southern kingdom of Judah will continue for another 125 years or so. It'll go a little longer, although they are also on a path towards destruction. Overall, their kings are uh, doing things that are, are not scriptural and not what God would want and are following the ways of Israel and the nations around them. Uh, but here this evening, we're going to look at a man named Hosea uh, in chapter number 17. And it's interesting how he's introduced to us. Let's look at the first two verses of 2 Kings 17. It says, In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, began Hosea, the son of Elah, to reign in Samaria over Israel nine years. Samaria is the capital city of the nation of Israel. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now that phrase we've seen before, haven't we? Especially with the nation of Israel. It's a continual. In fact, all 18 kings prior have done evil in the sight of the Lord. But the next phrase we've not seen before. But not as the kings of Israel that were before him. And so this, this is a different description of him. Hosea is a wicked king, but it does not appear that he reached the depths of depravity that many of his predecessors did. In other words, he's not as bad as most of the kings of Israel. Now this is saying something, because when we're introduced to him, he's murdered somebody. Chapter number 15, uh, look at verse number... Uh, in chapter 15, verse number 30, And Hosea, the son of Elah, made a conspiracy against Pekah, the son of Remaliah, and smote him and slew him and reigned in his stead in the 20th year of Jotham, the son of Uzziah. And so that's the first time we meet him, and he's assassinated the current king, Pekah. And so although he's not as bad as the, uh, most of the kings or the kings of Israel, he's not a great guy. He's a wicked man, and uh, it shows us how far Israel has fallen in 256 years of the, 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 the time that their kingdom lasted. And so tonight here in chapter 17, this is where the northern kingdom comes to an end. 
There are no more kings in the northern kingdom of Israel. They're going to go into captivity. Uh, They're going to be overrun by the king of Assyria. And um, and so let's look here, verses 3 through 23 of this chapter. I'd like to read through these this evening because it gives us the brings us up to date of how they go into captivity, and then chapter uh, verse seven through the end of the uh, or through the through verse twenty three gives us a review of the nation of Israel's history, and it's a brief review. But look at verse number three. Against him or against Hosea came up Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, and Hosea became his servant and gave him presents. And the king of Assyria found conspiracy in Hosea, for he had sent messengers to So, the king of Egypt, and brought no present to the king of Assyria, as he had done year by year. Therefore the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. Take note, don't ever forget to give a present to a king, right? Uh, You stop it once and they throw you in jail for it there. And so that's what happens there. And then verse 5, Then the king of Assyria came and threw out all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it for three years. Again, the, the, the city of Samaria is the capital city that you remember Jeroboam I set up when he divided, the, when the kingdom was divided. He set up the, the, the capital city of Samaria, set up a temple there because he didn't want the people of Israel to go back to Jerusalem, back to Judah, and worship down there. And he thought that that would cause them to not be loyal to him and loyal to Israel. And he sets up this this city here. And through the years, it's been developed. And uh, 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 Samaria has a very large wall around it. And for three years, the king of Assyria besieges it. No one goes in, no one goes out. And it took them three years. Now, they couldn't get through the walls, they couldn't get over the walls or under the walls, but they could last them out. And after three years, uh, they, 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 the, the nation of Israel falls. Look at verse 6. In the ninth year of Hosea, king of Assyria, took Samaria and carried Israel away into Assyria and placed them in Halah and in Haber and by the river of Gozen and the cities of the Medes. For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods and walked in the statutes of the heathen. Now this is again the description of the nation of Israel. Walked in the statutes of the heathen, whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of Israel, which they had made. And the children of Israel did secretly those things that were not right against the Lord their God. And they built them high places in all their cities, and the tower of the watchmen to the fence city. And they set them up images and groves in every high hill and under every green tree. And they burnt incense in all the high places, as did the heathen whom the Lord carried away before them, and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. For they served idols, whereof the Lord had said unto them, Ye shall not do this thing. Let me pause here and just comment on this for a moment. Israel has taken up the practice of this idol worship, and they think they're doing it in secret. 
They build groves of trees to try to hide their activity. Uh, they go to the high places and build up even higher walls trying to hide. Now, many of the practices of, of these heathen uh, pagan gods was immoral. It was things that uh, they would be involved. In fact, we'll read about some of the things that they'll do here in just a moment here. It's a very immoral type of worship. And Israel and the people of Israel think they're hiding these things. And again, they might be hiding them from their fellow man, but they are not hiding them from the eyes of God. God is viewing this. God is taking note of this. God is recognizing this. Look what it says in verse 13. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all the prophets and by all the seers saying, Turn ye from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the law which I command your fathers and which I sent to you in my, by my servants, the prophets." Isn't God a merciful and gracious God? Here they are, breaking his law. He's brought them out of Egypt. They've run back to these false gods. They're involved in immoral worship. And God's saying, let me send my prophets and my seers, my spokespeople to you, my preachers to you. Turn back to me. Get right with me. That's all he's saying. But notwithstanding, they would not hear, but hardened their necks like to the neck of their fathers that did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statutes and his covenants and he made with, that he made with their fathers and his testimonies which he testified against them. And they followed vanity and became vain and went after the heathen that were found round about them concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. And they left all, their command, all the commandments of the Lord their God and made them molten images, even two calves, and made a grove and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. And they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire and used divination and enchantments and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. What, a, what an awful couple of verses to describe where they fall into, sending their children, their sons and their daughters, sacrificing them, passing them through the fire, trying to appease a false god, a, a dead god, trying to bring pleasure to them, involved in divination and enchantments. This is, would be uh, evil or spirit worship here. Therefore, the Lord, verse 18, was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only, and Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel, which they made. And the Lord rejected all the seed of Israel and afflicted them, and delivered them into the hand of the spoilers until he had cast them out of his sight. For he rent Israel from the house of David, and they made Jeroboam, the son of Nebat king and Jeroboam drave Israel from following the Lord and made them sin a great sin. For the children of Israel walked in the sins of Jeroboam, which he did. They departed not from them until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight. As he had said by all his servants, the prophets, so was Israel carried away out of their own land to Assyria unto this day. And so here you have this this review of the nation of Israel, what they got involved in and how the Lord 
looked on those things and how he responded. Now, again, when I first read this, I think my thoughts went to when I read about Hosea that did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not as the kings of Israel. Uh, My thought probably went, as I was thinking and meditating on that, well, here's a guy, not as bad. But why did God choose now or during his reign to do? Why not in one of the more wicked kings? And so I thought and meditated on these on that for a little bit. And let me give you a few thoughts this evening. First of all, I think what we recognize here is, number one, God is long-suffering. God is patient, isn't he? We've got 250 plus years of a nation that has, uh, throughout the entirety of it, from their first king to their 19th king, and everyone in between, all of them have chosen a wicked path, and yet God was long-suffering. Look at a a couple of verses with me. Uh, Look first of all into the book of Psalms, and look at the 86th Psalm, verse number 15. Psalm 86 Verse number 15, what a great verse to underline and to remember, describing our Lord. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. Uh, We'll look here in just a moment and we'll see that 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 does end, that God is a just God, but listen... God is willing to receive and to take anybody that will turn their hearts back to the Lord, that will give their hearts to the Lord. He is full of compassion. He is a gracious and long-suffering God and is plenteous in mercy and truth. Our New Testament verse that goes right along with this is 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. I won't quote it word perfect, but it says, uh, that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is what? Long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And although there's been 250-some years, uh, we see the Lord was quite patient with the nation of Israel. We see that God had been patient in their, in their past there with uh, their, their ancestors, God is a gracious and long-suffering God. He was good in that he sent prophets and seers to warn the kings and the nations multiple times. Great and powerful prophets like Elijah, followed by Elisha. Uh, Maybe lesser known, but still uh, uh, prophets and faithful prophets such as Micah and Amos and Hosea that God sent to deliver his message That they would turn back to the Lord. And God was a good God. But we see here God is a just God. That at some point God says that's enough. Where God says you're not crossing any more lines. And I'm going to deal with this now. And once God does that it's a final thing isn't it? The nation of Israel it was done here. It was, there are no more kings. They've gone into captivity. And God, his judgment has fallen. And, and again, we see God sees things differently than we see. Again, my thought was, well, here's this king that's maybe, maybe even trying to do better than other kings. But 
Remember this, God's view is from above. God has a different perspective than man does. God sees things from this perspective looking down upon all things, and he sees things differently than we do. He sees details that we never see. He sees sees the heart of individuals that we never see. How many of you ever struggled with the account in the book of Exodus about Pharaoh and the hardening of his heart? I've wondered about that before, because at times it says God hardened his heart. And I've wondered about that. But here's what we don't see. We don't see what God sees. We don't see that God may have known what he would have done later. And that man proved it time and time again that he changed his mind and changed his heart. And so God eventually says, I'm just going to take care of this and get rid of this man. Again, there's a perspective that we do not see. Not only is God's view from above, God's view is eternal. We see things in a very small section of eternity, don't we? Once again, I'm reminded of that illustration that took place here at a high school graduation. Uh, Missionary Bill Fennell spoke at that graduation a couple of years ago, and he got a long rope that went all the way to the back of our auditorium. It was a long white rope, and on the very tip up here was a black section of that rope. He says, imagine with me, young people, trying to drive this point home that this, this, this rope represents eternity. And this very tip up here that's painted black, it represents your life. This little part of it is in all of eternity. And again, it reminds us that we're just a very small speck in time when it comes in comparison to eternity. And we look at our 70, 80, 90, or 100 years of this life and we think it's all about us. But God has an eternal plan in place. God, from the beginning of time until the end of time, has a plan in place. Remember, God is not just in a time of our creation and so forth. God has always existed. He's always been here. He goes from eternity past into eternity future. And so he sees things in a view of eternality. He has a different timeline than us. And of course, God's view is all-knowing. He has a different understanding than we do. Uh, There's just some things we're not capable of getting. Some things we're not capable of under... It's beyond us. I try to live my life, and I'm not saying I'm always perfect at it. When the things of this world and this life and the tragedies of things come, I, I try to remember this. God cannot be wrong. I just want to live my life with that fundamental fact. God cannot make a mistake. God is always right. God is always good. I don't always understand it. I don't always get it. But I want to give God that credit. I want to start with him right there that God knows and he understands where I cannot do. And so here we have the conclusion of the nation of Israel. It's done. Now we're going to look now, there's all several more kings that will rule in the nation of Judah. Uh, we, I think we got maybe 10 kings left. 125 years, that's still going to go in the nation. But guess where they're going to end up? They're going to end up in jail with the, the, their, their brothers, their cousins of Israel in 120 some years. 
They're going to go into captivity as well. Nebuchadnezzar will come and take them all at some point. And it's not because Judah was a weaker nation. It's because Judah turned their back on God. Judah will refuse. There'll be some good kings here and there. There'll be some revivals here and there. But overall, Judah's going to walk away from God as well. Don't you think there's a lesson for us to learn there, church? To walk away from God is a dangerous thing. Oh, he's a long-suffering God. Uh, I've been backslidden before. I've been away from God before, and God's been good to me. God's been gracious and kind and merciful. Plenty of mercy and grace in my life. In fact, if you ever get a letter or an email from me, I'll often sign it because of his grace and mercy. There was a time in my life where I recognized, boy, God's been so good to me when I've not been good to him. He's gracious, he's merciful, he's long-suffering. But don't let us forget this tonight, he's just. And his timeline could be different for each of us. He may give me just this amount of time, and, and, and he said, that's enough, I'm going to deal with it. And others, he may give us a, a, a much longer time. That's, that's God's call, isn't it? God can't be wrong. All of us tonight, though, ought to say this, wow. God deals with these things at some point, and you don't know when that will be. Could it be in my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, my 50s, my I don't know. Could it be for the nation of Israel that was 256 years versus 390 for the, for the nation of uh, Judah? Uh, could America go longer than 244 years or whatever we're in, 246 years that we're in now? Is God's judgment going to fall? I don't know. But I do know this. It's going to fall one day if we continue to go down these paths, whether that's as an individual or that's as a nation. God will not turn his back upon those that reject him. We're living in a time of great wickedness in our nation. Tonight we read here about Baal and we were read about the false gods. We have false gods in our nation as well. We don't call them Baal, but I could call them tonight the love of money, the love of pleasures, the love of immorality. Uh, there are all kinds of things in our world and in our nation that people choose over God. Know this tonight, church. God's taking note of that. God sees that. God sees a, a people that are turning more and more away from him. But I have to believe this as well. God also sees the faithful remnant. God also sees the individuals that are staying true to God in spite of what's going on around them. I have no idea what the future of our nation will, how it will play out in my lifetime. But I do know this. I can walk with God, stay right with God, as an individual, continue to try to tell others about Jesus Christ and be that bright and shining light and trust God that his will will be the right thing. And how, he, how that turns out for me, I, I don't know all that it will be, but I do know this. One day he's taking us all out of here. We'll get back into our study on Wednesday evening into the end times. And again, it reminds us that one day God's going to say, that's enough and he's going to bring his children home, and he's going to turn this world over to itself. 
And God's wrath and God's judgment is going to be poured out upon this world, upon this earth, ultimately ending with those that have rejected him being cast into an eternal flame in the lake of fire. And so we see God's closing the chapter on this nation, the nation of Israel, as far as their king in uh, this, this divided nation. And so this evening I trust we'll take and learn lessons from these, these people that continue to do evil, evil in the sight of the Lord. It was a long time, but eventually God's judgment does fall. It's not one of those games you want to play with God, by the way. I think I can go another year, another service. You just don't know. You don't know when God's going to say, that's enough. And so if the Lord's working in your heart, you know where you're at with God, don't play that game with God because God's judgment could fall at any moment. Remember tonight, he's a good God that loves you. He's long-suffering, he's gracious, he's merciful. And uh, turn to him. Say, Lord, I want to be right with you. And God will receive you unto himself. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this evening. Have a verse of invitation if the Lord's worked in your heart. Give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord this evening, whether there at your pew or here, down at the altar. You know, you might feel like, boy, if I went to the altar tonight, everybody's going to think I'm a wicked person. Could we just all agree tonight we're wicked people? And that we all struggle with faithfulness? And there's times when we're away from God, even if it doesn't play out in a, in a visible way, at times in our heart we just walk away from Him. And so let's just all say we're in the same boat. And if the Lord's touched your heart, you'd be willing to respond. It doesn't have to be at this altar, but it, it's a wonderful place to do business with God. Perhaps there at your pew. But let's be right with God. He's a good God. Father, I pray now that you would help us this evening, Lord, as we've looked at many, many examples, 19 kings, 19 uh, kingdoms, uh, Lord, multiple dynasties in the nation of Israel that chose to walk away from you. And Lord, I pray, God, that we would learn from their poor example. And Father, that we would learn about your goodness, your graciousness, your kindness, your long-suffering, and we would turn to you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would work in the hearts and lives of people here this evening. Lord, it's easy to kind of compare our nation, but Lord, I think it's more practical and more beneficial for us to look at ourselves as individuals. And Lord, that we would turn to you this evening, God. I use this invitation for your honor and your glory in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed as the piano begins to play. If you felt that tug in your heart tonight, would you respond to the Lord? <laughs>